we have been in a series called Essentials. And this has been really close to my heart because these are foundation, uh, foundations of the faith, the building blocks for what I believe God wants to do. Uh, week one, we talked about, anybody remember? Prayer and fasting, okay? And we learned that some things require prayer and fasting. Uh, week two, we talked about purpose and how we're going to use the purpose that God has given us, the things that he's put inside of us. And we talked about week three, the Sabbath, how to take a real rest and not rush through life and miss the presence of God. Last week, week four, we had the Reverend Mark Pagley in the building, and he talked about evangelism. And hey, if you missed that message, please go on YouTube and watch that. I believe that is a word for us to reach this region for the name of Jesus. Amen. And it was powerful. And then today, I, I want to speak a message entitled, Is There Room at Your Table? Is there room at your table? Ask the person next to you. Say, is there room at your table? Okay. Y'all may share the same table, so of course there, there is. Is there room at your table? And in this message, the, the word table today means your life and your home and uh, hospitality all through Scripture. You can read about Jesus and the life of Jesus all through Scripture. Jesus was hospitable to people. And, and hospitality, this is what it is. It's the friendly reception and treatment of strangers and friends. Hospitality is something that Jesus models all through Scripture but it's, it's so easily overlooked because we jump to the miracle or the big move of God, but we don't ever recognize what happened before the miracle. And so I want to talk about it today. Write this down. Hospitality turns strangers into friends. Jesus uses hospitality all through the New Testament to turn strangers into friends, and he always had room at his table. In this passage, it's actually kind of funny because he told Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your table. <laughs> he said, I'm going to come to your house and be your guest today. So I want to give a little bit of context for Luke 19, and then I've got a few thoughts about hospitality. And uh, I want to start back in verse 1 of Luke 19. If you've got a Bible, you can open that. Uh, it'll be on the screens behind. I want to say for the next several weeks, uh, I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. I love holding a Bible. Um, it, there's just something special about having your Bible and it being your best friend, okay? And if you need a Bible, we've got them at the Welcome Center. We would love to gift those to you. And so start in Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. I want you to circle that. Make note in your notes he was passing through. The Bible doesn't just say things passively. It doesn't just have words in there that don't have meaning to it. So you can look at every single thing in Scripture and you can ask the questions why and, and how and who and what and when. And right here he's passing through, meaning that he was going somewhere. Jesus had another destination in mind, but he pauses and he sees Zacchaeus. I, I made note of this because so often, I know for my life, I could just pass so quickly. I could pass so, if you went to Walmart on Wednesday you, and you saw the chaotic people, there, were, I, there was a person with like 14 gallons of milk in their buggy. If that's you, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm just kidding. But it's crazy. We, we, can we just like pause and, and see things for what it is, meet people in the middle of their mess, get to know people? He's He's passing through, but he stops, and he doesn't miss this moment that we are about to read about. Verse 2 says, a man 
was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was, he was very wealthy. Now, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. If you, just a little bit of history. Um, tax collectors at this time, they stole money from the people. A lot of them were doing crooked things, and, and him, for example, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, meaning that he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the leader of the tax collectors. And I think it's really interesting. I was looking up Zacchaeus's name, and it means pure. So you write that down, pure. But when people looked into Zacchaeus's life, they didn't see what his name represented. They saw tax collector. They didn't see purity because he was so covered up with sin. And I, I think that I could say the same about all of us here today. There was a time in your life that someone couldn't even see you by who you are because of what you were going through or what you were in the middle of or what you have went through. But I love that Jesus rolls up on the scene and he sees Zacchaeus and he can see to the core of who he actually is. And he sees that there is purity inside of you. And I think it's beautiful that Zacchaeus represents all throughout scripture. When you read this passage, don't just think about a chief tax collector. This was imagery for us to think about in our day today. What, like this person represents, who, think of someone in your life that is really hard to love. Don't be nudging people, okay? Like that's gonna get you in trouble, right? Think of someone who like, if you were to be honest today, it is very difficult for you to show this person mercy or grace, or for forgiveness, it's, it's hard for you to even look at them, you, you kind of, whatever that category of people is, or somebody that has hurt you, Zacchaeus represents that today, and Jesus meets him in the middle of a tree, and he says, come down, I'm coming to your house today, I don't know about y'all, but this idea really challenges me, because it's really easy in church to preach against the Pharisee, until we realize that we've all got a Pharisee inside of us. Because if we get squeezed the wrong way or something just rubs us the wrong way, a little bit of Pharisee can ooze out of all of us if we were to be honest this morning. And so I just want to say this idea really challenges me if you read it for what it is. Verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was so short, I, I laugh when I read the Bible sometimes. I'm like, why is this in there? This is so funny. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And if we were to really be gut-wrenching gut, gut honest this morning, in this passage, Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. I want you to think about your workplace, your family. I want you to think about the people you pass by on a daily basis. How many people want to see Jesus, but they don't know that they need him? They don't know that they need him yet. And I just want to challenge you. There's people that want to see Jesus, but the only way they're going to see Jesus is by looking at you. And so today, I just want our hearts to be open. I, this is going to be a little punchy today, but I, I just believe if we can get this in our guts... We will see some things happen in this church that will surprise us. We will see things happen Monday through Saturday. And what we do is we gather on Sunday to celebrate all that God did during the week. Because if we could take the gospel outside of these walls, I think God will do something beautiful. Verse 4, so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since he was coming that way. Y'all, just a note, men did not run in this culture. It was a big deal that the chief 
tax collector, the leader of some messed up people was running to position himself to get into the presence of God. And I just wrote down that he was willing to look a little silly if it meant that he could see Jesus. He was willing to look a little bit foolish if it meant that he could get into the presence of God. I want to ask you a question. What if we didn't care what people thought? Like, what if we really didn't care what somebody would think about us in the middle of worship when I feel like I should, I kind of want to lift my hands? I'm just going to rock a little bit, you know? Like, what if, what if you did not care what people thought when you were at the register at a store and you, you truly checked on the cashier that's scanning those groceries? What would it look like? Verse 5, it says that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. All of us growing up, or you may be this friend, all of us had that friend that would invite themselves to, to your house. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? All of us had the friend. You may be the friend. Jesus shows us in this passage, it's okay, okay? It's okay that you're a little weird, all right? Verse 7 says, all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Now, this part really jumped out to me. I was up here last night getting my worship on. I'm so glad that nobody can see that. It's just me up here, and I've got the lights down low, and, and I've got the worship playing, and I'm praying, and I'm believing. And this part of this scripture, it was like it just jumped out at me. And the reason is because Jesus never said anything to Zacchaeus about his sin. Jesus never went back down the history, the timeline, or his past. He didn't talk about stealing. He didn't talk about the manipulation of people. He didn't talk about his cowardly actions. He didn't talk about years of rebellion. He didn't even mention that he's the ringleader of all of the tax collectors. All he did was get around somebody who had different beliefs than he did, and then God began to move into action. All Jesus did was make room at the table. All Jesus did was he was passing through and he said, I'm not in too big of a hurry. I can stop in this moment and take care of this man. He, he was passing through and he paused and God begins to do a miracle in a man that everybody saw was the least of these. That was an awful person. Jesus met him in the middle of his mess and he gets around the dinner table with a sinner and everything begins to change. And so this is where things begin to, to move. Zacchaeus begins to repent. I'm sorry for all that I stole. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. Because did you know that it is the Holy Spirit that draws you to repentance? It's not a man. It's, it's not me. It's not another person. It is when God wants to move in a person's life, he's going to do what he wants to do. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. It says in verse 9 and 10, this is where we're going to land the plane. Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what? The lost. People like us. And I, I don't know about you. I know it's a little cold outside today. 
but I am thankful for the grace of God. Is anybody thankful for the grace of God in this place? I don't know about you, but I can look back to who I used to be when the Facebook memories pop up on Facebook, and I'm like, dear Lord, I hope nobody else can see that. I am thankful for God moving on my behalf, met me in the middle of my mess, he forgave me of my sin. He hung on a cross and died a death that I could never die. And we received grace. He gave me a new beginning. He gave me a new name. He made room at his table for you and for me. And so today, if Jesus made room for me, can I make room for somebody else? We talked about evangelism last week and this message really goes hand in hand with evangelism because people can come to church and get saved and set free and discipled. But you want to know what's a beautiful picture of how the church was built in Acts 2? It's that they gathered in the temple courts, but they gathered in their homes daily. And those that were being saved grew daily. There's something about getting some food. Any foodies in here that like some food? You like, you know, yeah, that's my people, okay? It's my love language. I love eating food. I love it. I love it. There's something that happens when you get around the dinner table and you get around the things of God. A meal was an opportunity. It was an open door for a new relationship. And Jesus knew this, and so he modeled it all through Scripture. Um, Kendra and I, we, uh, we were eating at this place in Nashville, and I can't remember the name of it. Maybe you've ate there before. I don't know. But it was family-style eating. And so, like, you would go and sit at a table, and then, like, other families would come and sit with you, and they would put all the food in the middle. We didn't grow up doing this, so this was, I was like, what is going on? And they would put all the food in the middle of the table, and then you, like, pass the food around. And, um, and so, like, <laughs> I didn't know the rules of this, okay? Because here's the deal is that when you share a meal with somebody, you are naturally breaking a boundary that has been set by culture. I, don't miss this. And so the food's getting passed around, and I'm like, hey, y'all ain't supposed to be sitting here. This is just a few years ago. <laughs> like, they were sitting at the table. I'm like, hey, uh, this is our table. You know, <laughs> like, we're sitting. I looked like an idiot. Like, these people knew they'd been there. And so we ended up sitting at the table with, like, four families. It was awesome. It was awesome. But I'm like, can nobody let a brother know? Like, put a sign on the door that says you sit with strangers, you know? <laughs> we naturally push people away. We naturally are going to eat and gather around the things with, with people that we have some things in common with. Uh, and here's the thing is that restaurants are even set up this way. Come and go breakfast pizza. Different types of places. That's not a restaurant, by the way. I'm just giving you some examples. Some of y'all are like, what? <laughs> just try it. It'll change your life. If you're in a rush, you know. <laughs> There's all types of food that are for different types of people. You've got the breakfast pizza at come and go. You've you got some chicken nuggets at, at McDonald's. Can I get an amen, okay? Some, hot, some fries. Got that, that apple pie in Jesus' name, okay? Like, you got Captain D's. Nobody eats a Captain D's. Like, and if you do, we, we're going to have an, an altar moment up front, okay? You, you've got cowgirl espresso. Across, I'm kidding. I'm joking, okay? I'm joking. <laughs> chill out. Chill out, people. You've got tzatziki's, Okay? I've got a story. I'll save it for another time. I promised my wife I would not tell that story. You're watching right now. Uh, our son is not feeling well. I will not tell the story, babe. I'm sorry, okay? It's, it's funny, though. You've got tzatziki's. You've got Outback Steakhouse. Get you some biscuits. Get you a little steak. And then some of y'all are fancy, like Applebee's on a date night. You got the bourbon streets with the Oreo, you know what I'm saying? 
the whipped cream. Talk to, uh, I don't know the rest of the song, so I'm just going to give up. <laughs> the world and culture has naturally created different types of eating experience that divide people unintentionally. And I'm not saying that anyone's wrong. I'm just stating a fact. Meals often represent boundaries. And Jesus broke those boundaries. He came to break bread so that he could break the boundaries of religion. He broke bread so that he could break the rules that have been set by man. He broke bread and he eats with people. And for the son of man, he came to seek and to save the what? The lost. How did Jesus seek and save the lost? He had a meal with people. This is, some of y'all are getting excited because y'all were like, I didn't know that I could serve people by eating. This is awesome. This is great news. It's part of being a believer. It's a big part of being a believer. He, one meal at a time, he begins to change the world. I want you to write this down. What I'm about to tell you is that it is in the deepest part of my stomach. You will hear me say this so much at this church, you will get sick of it. If you want to know the recipe for a relationship with somebody else, if you want to get to know someone on a Sunday, if you want to make room at your table, do this. Number one, learn their name. Would you all agree? It's really important to know someone's name. You can't call people dude and sis for the rest of your life. Like, Have you all ever been in a moment where you're praying for somebody and you forgot their name? It's like, oh, this sister, brother in Christ. You know, <laughs> like, Learn their name. And then number two, learn their story. This is their past. This is their present. And then if God gives you an opportunity, number three, speak to their potential. If you learn their name and you learn their story and you speak to their potential, by the way, if I have met with, I've met with a lot of you in this room, if I sit down, this is what I'm going to do. This is a playbook for success with people. You learn their name. And by the way, for the first three minutes, don't talk about yourself. Talk about them. Get to know them. Learn what makes them excited in life. Learn about their passions. My best, my favorite thing in life is to be somebody else's biggest fan. Learn what makes them excited about the things of God, and I'm going to find out a way to get them into those things so they can make a kingdom impact. Learn their name and their story and speak to their potential because every human on the planet has the same two desires. It's to be known and to make a difference. We get to help people become known for Christ and help them make a difference for the kingdom of God. And so Jesus models hospitality all through scripture, one meal at a time, one person at a time, one story at a time, one soul at a time. I am a simple guy with a very low ACT score, okay? Like, I'm a simple guy. I'm just being real this morning. Like, I'm a very simple guy. Like, we can't overcomplicate this whole church thing. You serve people, you love people, you preach the truth, you have dinner. You love people, you serve people, you preach the truth, you have breakfast. You love people, you serve people, you preach the truth, go get some lunch, baby. Just don't go to Captain D's. Like, it's simple. What if Jesus wanted to build his kingdom the way that he started building it in the New Testament? What if he wanted to build his kingdom by having believers with other people, different backgrounds, look different, talk different, around a table, because things start to happen when you share a meal. I've learned in my short walk with God that the truth of God's word goes down really good with some food and drink. Can I get an amen? amen? So a few thoughts about hospitality, and then I'll be quiet. Number one, if you care about someone's eternity, meet them in their reality. 
if you care about someone's eternity, where they're going to spend the rest of their life, it's real. Meet them in their reality. I, when I first got saved, I didn't really know what to do with my hands. You know, I was like, I've never been like a Jesus follower. I, I don't really know what to say. And I immediately got in Bible classes in college. It was really uncomfortable. Lots of stories there. And, but what I did was I opened up my garage. I started a Bible study. Guys started coming in my garage. And, and guys were getting saved. People were wanting to be baptized in my bathtub. I was like, I'm going to go to jail. I can't do that. And, and so, but what happened is I, I started this little wood business, this little leather business in my garage. And I would bring guys in, and I would have pizza, and I would have coffee, and other things. You know, I, I, we would just hang out, and we would make stuff. It was awesome. I led more guys to Christ in my garage than I have in church. Because I learned something. If you could get someone working with their hands, then they will allow God to work on their heart. It's like they get distracted, and they're like, oh, I just shared my whole story. You know, <laughs> like, I just shared all my, all my sin, like... I, there was one night, I'm not going to say his name, I'm just going to call him Bob, seems like a you know, typical name, and Bob was in my garage, there was four other guys in there, and it's like 1130 at night, we were doing this big wholesale order for a client, making a bunch of leather journals and wallets, and he said, hey man, can I, can I talk with you outside, and I was like, sure, so you know, we had worship music playing in there, we were just hanging out, just talking, you know, being stupid, and, and I go out to the street, and I meet him at his car, and he just falls down on the ground. Man, I was telling a story yesterday, and it just brought me back. And I was caught off guard. I thought he got shot. I was like, what? You know? <laughs> and so he's on the ground, and he is soft. This is a big guy. This is a big, burly man. And he is on the ground, and he is crying. And this is what he says. I'll never forget this. He says, I want what you guys have. Ooh. He said, I, I want, y'all are, it seems like y'all have something. And, and this guy was kind of on the fringes a little bit. And I said, dude, I think you're talking about Jesus. I think you're talking about giving up your own way and surrendering to Jesus. Not just as your Savior, but as your Lord. He wants to direct your steps. He wants to lead you into a new field where the grass is greener than the, the grass you're living in right now. I got to pray with this guy. I got to lead this guy to Christ right there on the concrete in front of my house. If my neighbors were watching, they probably thought some weird stuff was going on outside. <laughs> And we went back in the garage, and it was like he was a whole new person. Why am I telling you this? Because God wants to use the ordinary life that you have to do extraordinary things for other people. He wants to use the just mundane, typical things in your life. If you would bring people to the table, you would be surprised what would happen if you would just call somebody in the middle of the week. And just say, hey, I was thinking about you. I do this to some of y'all. Y'all think I'm weird. I don't care. Hey, I was thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Hey, man, I was reading this Bible verse. I just wanted to encourage you with this. You, you would be surprised how God would move. Jesus wants you to care about someone's reality so that you can impact their eternity. First Peter says this in chapter 4. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality, there's that word again, to one another without grumbling. 1 Timothy 3 right here is the qualifications of an overseer, a leader, a pastor of a church. I want you to hear this. Here is a trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer or a leader desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectful, respectable, hospitable, there we go again, able to teach, not given in to drunkenness, hey yo, not violent, but gentle, 
not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well. And the list just goes on and on. And I was reading this last night, and it jumped off the page because, one, this is a blueprint. If you want to learn how to influence people well, then you can model your life after what I just read, and I promise you people will want what's inside of you. But there's something that really stood out in this passage because uh, this is a list of things that qualify you to lead. And I've seen a lot of leaders and pastors over the years get set down for different things and had a talking to, if you know what I mean. Not being above reproach, not being faithful in their marriage or not being self-controlled, respectful, or, or maybe it's drunkenness or violent behavior or greed or not leading their family well, I have never in my walk with God seen someone get corrected for not being hospitable. It's in the same list of qualifications to lead. So why would we not make it as important? Being hospitable, y'all, I've never seen someone that got set down and they said, I haven't seen strangers in your homes recently. What's that all about? What is Paul saying to Timothy? He's saying that if you want to build God's kingdom, open up your life and open up your home and allow God to move. I believe hospitality is a vehicle of God's grace and truth into other people's life. The intention of Jesus was to break bread so that he could break boundaries. The second thing I wrote down is Sunday's sermon. This is not a knock to me, but just whatever. Sunday's sermon will not impact people more than your daily conversations will. Sunday's sermon, when I open my mouth and talk, is not going to impact people the way that your life and your words will afterwards. And just a few thoughts about, y'all, when I first started speaking in front of people, I did some really uncomfortable things, okay? I just got to, can I confess and be healed today? Is that okay? Is it, we're church, we're family. Man, I embarrassed myself. My first time holding a microphone at our college ministry. Some of you were there. Um, Lord, forgive me. Uh, Garrett actually asked me, he was like, hey, I want you to, I want you to MC and kind of transition out of worship to the meet and greet. My only responsibility was to pray and then to say, turn around, say hello to somebody. We'll be back here in a second. I prayed and I blacked out. I prayed, I blacked out. I was like, turn around. There's 400 college students in the room. Turn around, slap someone on the butt. We'll be back here in a little bit. You know, I'm a baseball guy, you know. It was, I was like, oh, no. And Garrett was like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just got saved, you know. I've done some stupid stuff. I remember one time I was at our, our Little Rock campus. There was like 1,800 people in the room. And my only responsibility, there we go, give Seth the mic again. Something's going to happen bad, you know. And I was on stage. I was so nervous. My only responsibility was to pray. And then descended to the meet and greet. Pretty simple, right? I prayed, and then I forgot why I was up there. And so I just, after I prayed, I was like, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, y'all, go ahead, bow your heads again. We're going to pray it again, you know? And then in the prayer, I'm like, God, please remind me what I'm supposed to do. Please remind me what I'm supposed to do. Y'all, this is the worst one. I was praying one time over the offering. This is in front of a lot of people. And I was, I didn't know what to say or what to do with my hands. And I was just talking. And you know when you start talking and you're, Y'all ever do oral calm, you know? And you just start saying stupid stuff. Like, I was talking, and I was like, God, I just, all of the faithful givers of our church, I just want you to, and instead of bless, I said, I want you to bless them right where they're at. And I opened my eyes, and I was like, oh, God. And I just said amen and walked off stage. And I hid backstage. I texted our pastor. I said, I'm not going back out there, and I promise I didn't. And he, he came up to me after service, and he was like, you can't do that, man. That was really weird, you know? <laughs> 
So I'm not saying that my sermons don't matter, but what I am saying is that your words and your actions are way more important. The way that you take the word of God and you apply it to your life. Take the word of God and speak it. Don't just be hearers of the word. James says, be doers of the word. I want to dream a little bit with you because God's been giving me some vision for what this church can do. I want a church that has a larger weekly attendance in your homes than, a lar- than, a, than attendance on Sunday morning. What does that mean? There's more people in your home Monday through Saturday than in this building on a Sunday. I, that's the number I care about. I, I want more people around food and the things of God. I want you to be excited and take ownership and say, I don't know what I can do, but I'll do something. I want to make a difference. Have y'all ever really wondered in the Old Testament, New Testament, how the word of God moved so fastly, so quickly? They didn't have social media. They didn't have IG and Facebook, podcasts, YouTube. They didn't have speakers. and mic- They didn't have a wonderful red-bearded guy right here on the keys, okay? They didn't have a way to amplify music and sound. They didn't have it. They didn't have Onyx coffee on tap in the foyer. Thank you, Jesus, for that manna from heaven. No, 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 this is what they had. They had some food and they got around the table because they were forced into their homes because it was illegal to be in public with the gospel. They were persecuted and tortured. And so what the enemy intended for bad, God said, I'll use it for good. This is how we'll build our church. And so they started gathering around food, which I love that. And then people started getting saved. And this is how our church was built. I love that this is the 21st birthday. Our church was built off of life groups, getting in community with other people. This was never meant to be transactional on a Sunday. I want us to come in here and celebrate what God did on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Sunday is a celebration of the saints. You could bring your friends, but I would rather you bring them to your home first. I would rather you check on them in the middle of the week. I'd rather you buy them a coffee or a biscuit. I would rather you meet them where they're at, one meal at a time. He broke bread and he broke boundaries. The last thing is this, number three, make room at your table. Make room at your table as believers and followers of Jesus. We are products of Jesus making room at the table for us. Here's the exercise. Everybody look at me. and We're not going to move, not that kind of exercise, but just in your mind. I want you to think about the person who first invited you to church. Or maybe they tricked you into coming to church. That was the case for me. Think about the person that brought you to the table. And I want you to send them a text today and say thank you. Hey, what you did made an impact on my life. What you did, it it changed me. I'll never forget, man, Garrett Matsuyama taking a chance on me, speaking life into me. It changed my life. But then after that, I want you to thank the Lord. Because ultimately, he made a place at the table for you and for your family. So why would we not do the same for somebody else? I want to encourage you to pray a bold prayer today and ask the Lord to break your heart for what breaks his. But be, be careful, because he's a man of his word and he always does what he says. And so when you invite him in to break your own heart for what breaks his, do you know what breaks his heart? 
It's people. And it's people who are far from him. It's people who don't know him. It's people who will never experience the grace of God. If you don't get up and say, I want to be used to make a difference in this region, in this city, in my job. I don't want to go anywhere without representing Christ. It changed my life. Somebody met me in the middle of the mess. I wasn't hiding in a tree. I was hiding in the middle of sin. I was a thief. I was addicted. I was addicted to pornography and drugs and alcohol. And I was mistreating people and I was misleading people. But God met me in the middle of my mess. And he saved my life. And I will never shut up about it. I don't care how much money you could offer me. I don't care what you offered it. I will never shut up about talking about the good news of the gospel. God wants to use you. He wants to use your life to reach people for the kingdom. It's not about New Life Church. It's not about this building. Get them around your table. Make room at your table. Jesus walks through the town and says he was passing through but he paused and he saw Zacchaeus in a tree and he said hey come down I'm gonna have dinner at your house today and Zacchaeus begins to repent and turn and I can't imagine how many people Zacchaeus led to Christ we have no idea what happened after that but we know that he got his life together and he started living for a purpose would you do me a favor would you stand to your feet across the room I want you to allow God to speak to you in this moment and I'm gonna ask you to do something and it's okay that it's uncomfortable. I want you to repeat after me. I've got a series of things I want you to say. You're not signing a covenant to anything. I just want you to say this, okay? Can y'all do that? Repeat after me, say, I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. I'll put aside my differences. I'll open up my life. We are all the same. We all need Jesus. My neighbor needs it more. We need each other. We need the church. We need unity. We welcome the lost. We disciple the found. This is the beginning of a move of God. If you would let it be. If you would allow God to move in your home. I promise you I'm always going to do my part up here. I'm going to love my family and serve them well. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm not per- I don't have a clue what I'm doing, just to be honest with y'all. I'm ter- I've been terrified since we moved here. But I promise you that I'm always going to speak the truth with love. If you would, close your eyes across the room. I want you to get a picture of what it would look like for you to be known as a person, as a family, as a group of believers that are known for welcoming people. I want every Sunday to be a place where we don't rush to our seat. We don't rush through the foyer. We don't rush out after service. We invite someone to lunch. We invite someone to our home for dinner. We invite someone to coffee or to a game that we would learn someone's name, that we would be willing to listen to their story and that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would speak to their potential. So with your eyes closed across the room, I want you just to pray. If you would pray this under your breath, say, God, you can use me. Say it with me. Say, God, you can use me. I'm available this morning. I want you to change my life. God, we are so thankful for your grace. 
And Lord, I hope that I articulated what you wanted to say today. I, I did my best, but God, I pray that you would move in power inside of your people. God, I pray that today, this would be a pivot point for our church moving forward that we would have more people gathered inside of homes, inside of dorm rooms, inside of every house across this region, that we wouldn't be able to contain inside the four walls of this building. This building ain't big enough. That people would begin to get saved and set free, that they would have chains broken off of their life, and that we would gather in this place on Sundays and celebrate all that you did, not because of me, but because of your people saying yes, to your call on their life. I pray that we would be hospitable, God, that a culture of hospitality would fall on this place and that you couldn't walk into this church without somebody trying to learn your name, somebody trying to learn your story and speak life into you. I wanna be known for that. And so God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you made room at the table for me, for every person in this room. 